Cedar Centre where um, I'm there with my husband Craig, but I feel like you're becoming my second home and it's just, yay. <laughs> it's, it's so good to be here. So today I'm speaking about the simplicity of pleasure and I'm gonna start with scripture. You might think that's a strange way to start, but I have learned to find pleasure and joy and freedom in scripture. It wasn't always that way. I think I would open scripture for a long time and I'd read bits and a lot of it didn't make sense. I didn't often hear God speak to me. There were just so many bits that I couldn't even begin to understand and I didn't know anything about the whole story of scripture. And, and so we tossed and turned, I guess. We couldn't settle, we couldn't settle at a church. We, you know, we kind of looked good on the outside but knew that we weren't. We kind of didn't really talk about it but that's the way things were until someone started to open scripture for us in a way that taught us how to read this for ourselves, And for me, scripture became the finest of wine. Think with me, you know, that picture of Jesus as the vine and we are the branches. And we are supposed to um, bear great fruit. You know, there's nothing so good as a really, you know, fabulous grape. It's sweet, it's juicy, it's refreshing, it's life-giving. But, you know, a bad grape is just the worst thing, isn't it? You know, it's sour and it kind of here and it's just full of seeds and it's not really doing what it's supposed to. If we start to read scripture in a way that we can hear God speak and we can start to access the riches of it, we can not only start to bear fruit, but we can start to find pleasure in the God who created us for good things. He created us to flourish. He created us to enjoy this incredible world, to see the beauty in things. Even if there's just a small bit, you can see it. If you're looking with these eyes of the God who created this, we start to be able to touch And, and we're present enough to feel something. We can start to move in such a way that we sense God's pleasure and God's goodness and kindness and compassion on us. Today, I'm going to be speaking a little bit from Galatians 5. And if we're going to start to read Scripture well, it's good to know what's the backstory to this passage, because otherwise we can't know. And so the passage I've got this morning is from Galatians 5, verses 13 to 25. And here is Galatia. 
It's always good, I think. You know, in our Bibles, there's these maps, and you think, actually, I've started turning to the maps and and finding these places and learning something about what was going on there at that time, because it helps me read a letter. A letter in in Scripture is like um, one side of a telephone conversation, but you've got to get to know the person behind the telephone call to understand it. And this is this church in Galatia. Now, the Galatian Christians had celebrated the goodness of God, but they'd got to a point where they'd started walking backwards. You see, they started walking back into the laws of God. Now, the laws of God are good, But something better had come. The law, who was a person. The person who showed us the goodness inside the law that we couldn't see until we'd encountered this person. And so what had happened is they had started these Jewish Christians separating themselves out again from the Gentiles. You see, their intentions were good. They wanted to do the right thing. They wanted to honor God, but they were walking backwards in their faith because the better law had come. The law himself, the God of love, who they'd encountered. And so... When Paul writes to this church, he is really annoyed. If you want to, you know, the Apostle Paul was by no means, you know, this perfect person. um, And he could get angry and say some really, you know, rip snort things. And he's saying it in this letter. But by the time we get to chapter five, he's toned down a little bit. And he's pleading with these people to walk forward and not walk back, to walk again into that richness of the goodness of God, like that beautiful um, grape that's ripened in the sun and it's sweet and it's juicy, and not walk backwards. So here's the beginning of our passage. Paul says, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. You were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. He actually uses the language of the flesh, but I'm going to unpack that in a minute. But they're trying to, um, Paul is trying to encourage them to enter into all of the goodness of God, but not in such a way um, that it's going to harm them. But through love become slaves of one another. Now what he's meaning here is get back to being connected with one another. Get back to doing acts of service for one another. He says, for the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, here's the warning, 
This is the kind of Dr. Phil moment. Now, look, I've only watched Dr. Phil a few times, but, you know, he goes to that point where, you know, he's unpacking someone's life, and then he goes, so is this working for you? This is Paul's Dr. Phil moment. Take care that you're not consumed by one another. You see, they've got onto this negative spiral. But the essence of what he's driving at here is, is honing into the single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's kind of simple, isn't it? Only it's not. We know it. Because it's quite hard to love yourself, isn't it? Because we know our flaws, we know our weaknesses, even if someone else hasn't kind of seen that harsh word, you know, we're present in our own movie. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is where scripture has just been so incredible to bear fruit in my life. Because as I've come to taste of the goodness of God, to hear him speak to me in the scriptures, to hear him define me, I have started to be able to love myself. Because I'm started to be able to see myself through God's eyes rather than my own. And in doing that, it is changing me. I mean, I'm an ENTJ that kind of offends a lot of people a lot of the time. But God has been working on me year after year. And he's been teaching me to see God in one another. He's been teaching me that his word is about bringing us into freedom in our world. Not giving us a list of rules of things he doesn't want us to do. It's about this freedom. And once you start to understand God's love for you, God's passion for you, then you start to be able to be truly free to learn to love yourself and to love others, to find pleasure again in the simple things of life. Paul goes on and he sets up this paradigm between the spirit and the flesh. Now, when he uses this language of flesh, what he's talking about is the negative cycles of life. Good things, like speech and sex and food, but used in excess or used in the wrong way or somehow it's been perverted. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world is good, but we sometimes have a wrong relationship with the world and so we can't come to enjoy it and take pleasure in it in the way that God would want so Paul says, and it's a command, live by the Spirit. If you want to find freedom, if you want to hear God speak to you, live by the Spirit. 
And I say, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. I've got a picture here of a spiral. Should be the next slide. What Paul is doing is he's setting up the spiral and he's saying these, and he's going to give a list of all the things you shouldn't do. And again, you know, it's like fornication. It's anger. It's, it's bad speech. It's these kind of things. Now, these sex, of course, is a good thing. What God does is he sets some parameters that are going to be life-giving. And he talks about this negative spiral, and these he, he labels the flesh. Now, of course, the flesh is the body. The body is good. It's a metaphor to understand these things that are going to lead you away from freedom and ultimately into paths that are going to be unhelpful for you. And then what he's going to do is he's going to finish with this positive cycle of things that are life-giving. So he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. What does he mean by that? If you are led by the Spirit, if you are led by God, who is love, God who fulfills the law, he sums it all up with how to love God and love one another. You are being led by the God who is gracious, who is compassionate, who is slow to get angry with you and abounds in love over you. In Habakkuk, it says he's singing over you. You see, he sees you through the lens of Christ. And we need to start looking through God's glasses and we do it here. We do it by soaking ourselves in scripture by saying, hey, I'm gonna join a group and I'm gonna learn how to read scripture more because I wanna hear the living God speak to me. Now, this is not the only way that God is gonna speak, but he's going to speak primarily through these scriptures. This is a story of God's unrelenting love for his people. He began with the Jewish people and he's extended it out. It was always going to be, because God created all people. God created this earth, they are all God's people, and God is pursuing you, because he wants you to be in this life-giving spiral, because that is where our God is. He's wanting to help break those bonds of those negative things in your life. Maybe it's patterns of speech, Maybe it is the way that you're using your body. Maybe it's the way that you're talking to someone else. I don't know. But God is a God who is walking you into freedom. And that is where true pleasure lies. Your mind is going to be free at night. You're not going to have to replay that soundbite that negative soundbite, which is harming you. God is walking us into freedom. 
You want to be led by God who is love. And then you're not subject to this law. You're not constantly thinking, is this right? Is this right? Is this right? You're following a God who's compassionate and gracious. And as you follow this God and as you learn from him, you too are going to become like him. Paul goes on and he lists this negative cycle. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. And again, you know, these are perversions. These are excesses. These, you know, these can be turned for good. But in this way, they're not. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities. I mean, Paul's just listing off this list of things in the ancient world known as a Greco-Roman vice list. Hear that vice, that vice that holds you. Strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, he says. I'm warning you as I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not because it's a list where you're going to have a cross by your name, oh, you got drunk there, or whatever. It's a cycle that is leading you away from God, away from true pleasure, away from freedom. And then he says, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love. These describe our God. Joy. These are the pleasures. Peace. Don't we want that in our lives? Patience. Kindness. Generosity. Faithfulness. Picture Jesus. This is who he is. And this is the fruit that he's wanting to bring to you. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against, there is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, and probably most of you do, if you don't, today is a good day to begin. Because all journeys have a beginning. Or maybe you need a new beginning. You who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, passion and desire, these are good things, but we need it to be the good cycle, the life-giving cycle, the freedom cycle. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. How incredible. I mean, isn't scripture life-giving? Paul is giving us a very simple way to walk into freedom and true pleasure. And God is the one who can rewire us if things have got a bit rusty or faulty or there's never been a connection. I once had the most powerful prophetic word given to me And it's still true. 
And I mean, it is going to make you laugh because it's about hard disks and floppy disks. <laughs> it's a long time ago, but gee, it still works. So I'm one of those driven people. You know, I want to achieve, I want to find success, I want everyone around me to find that. I, you know, I've got a goal and I'm going to reach it. And I was, I was in a church and he, I'll tell you this because it might be helpful for some of you. Maybe you, your wiring's kind of got a bit mucked up too. I knew what I wanted, I just didn't know how to get there. We'd gone along um, to a, a church meeting and this guy who had quite a prophetic ministry was there and he said, you know, God woke me this morning and he said, I've got a word for, and he said, this is going to sound strange, the wife of a computer programmer, which my husband was. I put my hand up and there were a number of people and he went around and said, so what, what, is, what does your husband do? Uh, oh, no, it's not you. Da, 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 da. And then it got to me and I said, he's a computer programmer. It, someone who works with computers, that's what he said. And, oh, he's a programmer. And he said, it's for you. And he says, God says, you're working, you're living your life like you're on a hard drive. And God wants you to use the floppy drive. Now, as a person who, <laughs> sounds silly, doesn't it? But gee, when God speaks, it, it made perfect sense to me who was driven and goal-centered and kind of, I've I'm gonna get there, I wanna get there. I, and I, I had a couple of young kids at the time and that was what I was kind of living with them. And I felt like God gave me this picture of that that wasn't the way to parent. <laughs> And he wanted me to just live lightly. You know, it's kind of that floppy drive image. I know they're not really floppy, but it, it made sense to me. <laughs> and I started to be able to appreciate my kids in a way that I hadn't before because they were just gonna kind of cause more problems for me because they'd wanna create mess and they wanna do this and all I could see were the, the problems, whereas I felt like God was wanting me to live like this as a parent, and I thought, okay, I'm going to live on the floppy drive, and I'm going to just go with it unless there's a real reason why I can't. And I started to find that I could actually appreciate my kids and love my kids in a way that was just really new for me because I, I was achieving something for them as a mother. I don't know. I, look, I was young. <laughs> I started to be able to live with freedom as a parent because I wasn't having to create the boundaries for things. I was just simply going along with what was happening. I was talking to a woman one day, this was, was not in New Zealand, but she, she's a consultant that works with businesses and things, with kind of psychology and stuff. And she was describing to me that people basically fall into two categories. They're in time, 
or they're through time. Now, I don't probably understand this this well, but you know where you're with certain people? They're absolutely present there for you. Dr. Phil, this Dr. Phil. You know that he's listening. You know that he's got his ear attuned not just to you, but to God. And these through time people who are already kind of calculating out how long this conversation is going to go because they know they've got to get on to something else. And I thought to learn to appreciate our daily lives, we need to learn more to be in time people. Now, maybe you're an in time person, you know, and that's wonderful. It's not that one is right and one is wrong. But bringing ourselves to be present with someone, or maybe we're doing something and we can just be in the moment. We can let go of all the other things that we know are gonna take place. I mean, are you present here now? Is your ear open? Is your mind open to God? I know COVID's been really hard for so many. For me, it's actually created a bit more space in my life. I'm not thinking about what's the traffic going to be doing today. You know, Mondays and Fridays are a bit lighter, Tuesdays the Thursdays, they are just dreadful. You know, is it raining? Is it going to be worse? I'm not thinking about that. I'm not thinking about... Um, the motorways, I'm not thinking about, I don't know, what am I going to eat for lunch? I've got to grab something, I've got to get on the motorway as quick as I can. It's helped me just slow down a little bit because I wasn't fighting traffic. It was a bit easier to cook a long, slow meal because you were around, you could put something on at one o'clock if you wanted. It gave me more time. Craig and I had more time. We've got some others that live with us. We started praying together at night. And that was really good to have some time together so we could actually appreciate one another in the things that we have. For someone that lives with us, she had been estranged from her mother eight years and COVID and this time being at home made her realize that she needed to make peace with her mother because at the end of the day, families matter. I've got a few pictures here. Maybe your life's a little bit like this, you know. <laughs> life's actually really hard but there might be something where you can see some flourishing. Learn to embrace the little things. For some of us, you know, there's more flowers, things are blooming, you're in a good place. But you know, it's easy, even when you're in a beautiful place, to not notice, isn't it? Because we don't slow down, we don't watch. 
Or what about our relationships? You know, touch is important. God's given us one another. He's given us special people in our lives. You know, as mums and dads, learn to enjoy the little things with the kids because they are going to tire you out. But there's beauty in there too. Slow down and achieve something simply by being present and feeling that touch. Or being present for your partner. You know, it's so easy kind of in our relationships as, you know, husbands and wives and things to kind of sex become, I mean, sex can be bread and butter, can't it? But it also can be more than that. But just enjoy the simple touch. Be present in that moment. Don't be thinking about, you know, the other things that you've got to do. Celebrate the good because that is what God has for us. Eugene Peterson's son um, spoke at his funeral and he said, Dad only actually had one sermon. He had everyone fooled for 29 years of pastoral ministry that for all of his books he only had one message. It was a secret, Leif said, that his dad had let him in on early in life. It was a message that Leif said his dad had whispered into his heart for 50 years. Words that had snuck into his room to say over him as he slept as a child. God loves you. God is on your side. He's coming after you. He's relentless. God loves you. God is on your side. He is coming after you. He is relentless. I want to encourage us this morning to just be still in God's presence and let him speak to us. Let him address those areas that are not, are not bringing us freedom in life. They're not bringing us closer to Jesus. And let's ask him to fill us again with himself, his spirit. We want to be led by, guided by, taught by the spirit of God who is love, who is joy who is peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, generosity, self-control. As we allow God, the God who is love, the God who embodies what law looks like and its freedom in life, we can learn to live freely in his world. We can start to see ourselves through his eyes and see one another. We can start to find 
the goodness of God in our, in our homes, in our relationships, in our work. So let's just be still for a moment and think, what is it? God, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, come. It can be helpful sometimes just to hold your hands out to God or just, or just release yourself so that you're not uptight, your shoulders are loose. I sometimes go for a whole body massage and I just pray through my body because I love massage. I mean, why not? It's pleasure, hey? <laughs> and I just keep releasing things to God as they release my muscles. God, come. We want to know your freedom. We want to know your life. God, we want to find pleasure in you, in ourselves, in one another, in our work. Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches, and he wants to create rich, plump fruit. He delights in you. We are going to have communion, and communion is a symbol but it's so tangible. It's actually the bread and the wine. They represent God's good earth. They're symbols of the earth. And they're symbols of our God, whose body was broken because he loves you. And his blood was poured out that you would find freedom and joy. That you would be people that look like him because that is the best of you. So come, Lord, into our gathering. We welcome you.